So a while back, we uh, had a sermon series on the mission statement and the values of Sherwood Oaks. But just as a quick reminder that the mission statement of Sherwood Oaks is simply people helping people, growing generations of Christ-led influencers. And it's really taking the great commission of Christ and it's fleshing that out uh, into these five values. So this is how we, I would say, this is how we put the shoes on the mission statement. And it's, these values are, number one, we live like God owns everything. Number two, we mentor across generations. Number three, we think, and this is what we're going to focus on today, we think like everyday missionaries, we tell life-changing stories, and we create fun and refreshing experiences. And all of those values are really important. Now, I don't know what you think about when you hear the word missionary. Uh, I just know what I thought about when I was a kid because we had a I grew up in this little bitty Church of Christ called Pontoon Beach Church of Christ, and we had a faith promise rally every year. Anybody remember those? Anybody ever grew up in church? Okay, five of you. Well, good. So, and we had these big uh, uh, banners, the homemade banners that, that folks made around the church, and so you always knew it was faith promise week, and these banners would come out, and uh, they would have a missionary come in, a different missionary each year, and and I remember, even as a kid, I was fascinated with the missionaries. I remember thinking, I could never do that. But in my mind, every missionary had two things in common. Number one is, they were really good with the slideshow. Do you remember how they used to just show the endless slides? And number two is, I don't, it just my perception was, they all seemed to be from the country of Africa. Am I the only one? I'm like, they're all from Africa, man. And so that was my mindset of a missionaries. They go, really far away. They risk their lives, and I could never do that. But we know that there's so much more to what a missionary is, and that's what we're going to talk about today. First of all, I think it is good to identify what is a missionary. Now, this comes from the wisdom of Wikipedia, so you know it's true, but it's actually a pretty good definition. A missionary is a member of a religious group sent into an area to promote their faith or perform ministries of service such as education, literacy, social justice, health care, and economic development. But this is the definition that I love. Uh, some of you that may be looking for like devotional material, if you've never heard of Oswald Chambers, at most for his highest, uh, check that out. And if you go online, all that's free. Uh, every day, uh, Oswald Chambers' devotions are just so profound. And here's what Chambers says about a missionary. A missionary is someone sent by Jesus just as Christ was sent by God. The great controlling factor is not the needs of people, but the command of Jesus. And that is true. All of us are going to, are going to identify around us, our neighbors, uh, whether it's in our area, in a region, uh, somewhere across the world, we're going to experience needs. But at the end of the day, the needs of others isn't what drives us. It's the command of Jesus that drives us. That's what changes everything. So we're going to talk about this morning, we're going to look at the mindset and the heartbeat of an everyday missionary. Let's need a drink of water. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when we talked about this, Jesus said, as they gathered around him before his ascension, but you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and it will come to you, and it will be my witnesses in 
Let's read this together. Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. Now, when I think about that, <clears throat> I'm a very simple-minded person, and so I think in terms of circles. So the circle in the middle would be Jerusalem, which means your neighbors and your friends. It's the people you know well. It's your neighborhood. And Jesus said, start there. For some of you, your neighborhood could simply be your Jerusalem as somebody in your family that doesn't know the Lord. We're in families right now that maybe very few have a relationship with Christ. Judea, I look at it this way, is I think in terms of a region. So here would be a region. Let's say you took Bloomington and you just do a circle four hours up. And you just did this huge circle. Four hours. What could we do four hours from here, north, south, east, and west? Well, if you do four hours, guess what you're going to find? Uh, Lafayette. Is that not a mission field? Yeah, so you're going to find Lafayette, Chicago, St. Louis, Louisville. You see where I'm going? Lexington. I mean, all of these places, you'd like, I'm not going to go there. Matter of fact, I know all of you would love it if we put together an urban mission trip. Wouldn't you all sign up? But you should. Absolutely you should. Because all of us need to be willing to get out of our comfort zone, even in a region. And then nationally, uh, when I think of Samaria, I think, what are we willing to do for the things that are going on in our country? And they're so diverse. I know that there are mission trips through Sherwood Oaks to the Indian Reservation. And I remember going on a trip to Appalachia. And there's so many things we need to see in our country and experience that would really help broaden our perspective. And then the ends of the earth, beyond the boundaries of this country, do you have the mindset of an everyday missionary. And then how do you measure that? So <clears throat> I can tell you how they measure it in baseball, okay? Here's how you make money in baseball, okay? Uh, they call this uh, the five tools. If you can do these five things really well, you make a lot of money. Here's the five tools. Speed, power, hitting for average, fielding, arm strength. Now, there's very few players that have all of those tools, very few. So let me tell you the one guy that has all those tools, and they pay him for it, and his name is Mike Trout. Now, his last contract was $426 million for 12 years. Uh, that's $35 million a year to play baseball. He needs to be an everyday missionary. You know what I'm saying? An everyday missionary. Now, I love the group, the Michelin group, and I know I mispronounced that, but Michelin is famous for their rating system of the highest-end restaurants, and they have three stars, and I love it. And if you're even on their list, you're considered one of the best restaurants in the world. But here's the first star. If you get one star, it's a very good restaurant, okay? If you get two stars, you're an excellent restaurant that is worth a detour. Don't you love that? And number three is, you're an exceptional, three stars, an exceptional cuisine that is worth a special journey. <coughs> and so I want to ask you this morning, if you were to take a system like this for Paul, the missionary Paul, how many stars would he get? I'm going to say he gets at least three, wouldn't you? And actually, I'd give him four. 
and the fourth star, I'd have underneath it the initials G-O-A-P, greatest of all time. He is the, he is the greatest of all time. And I, I don't think I would lose that argument. I mean, who else carried the message like Paul? And even the missionaries since Paul, uh, they would share about Jesus, but ultimately they would also share about the message of Jesus, and they would be quoting Paul. And when we think about Paul and all that he has done, he has taught us so much. But his life is almost beyond comprehension. For example, here's a map that we're going to pull up of his three missionary journeys. Now think about this. I've crunched these numbers that in these three missionary journeys, Paul traveled 7,938 miles. Uh, Some of you that are pagans saw the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. But I, I look at Paul and I'm like, this guy would do whatever it takes. I, I think if there was a donkey, I think if there was a camel, whatever it would take, I think Paul would ride it and get on it or do anything to take Jesus Christ to the people who needed to hear it. And when he got on these, these ships and these, these adventures, uh, this isn't the love boat. This isn't carnival. Uh, you just think he put his life at risk constantly. He traveled over 245 days, just straight travel. That doesn't include anything else other than just the travel. <clears throat> Douglas Ruffell, strange name, Douglas Ruffell, who, uh, Ruffell, who wrote uh, The Missionary Mindset, said this, With a missionary mindset, we recognize that the only way we can ever begin to deepen our understanding of the people in our community is by listening deeply. We listen with our ears, we listen with our hearts, and we seek to understand. So if you want to have the mindset of a missionary, let me just share this with you, how important this is. Um, I heard somebody say this the other day, if you want to be free, it starts with me. If you want to be free in Jesus Christ, it starts with me. And the reason I mention that is if you really don't feel free in Christ, there is no way you're going to have a mindset to help somebody else. Because we're always going to, in our flesh, think about ourselves. But a missionary mindset, an everyday missionary, says, I want to think like Christ. I want to be free in Christ. But here's what happens spiritually and emotionally. We get stuck in these ruts. And we... We feel like we just can't get out. There's not a week go by that I don't have a really intense conversation with somebody about depression, anxiety, worry. And I'll hear this phrase is, I just feel stuck. With COVID, I feel like I've given up seven months of my life, and I'm just in this fog. I just can't shake it. Folks, I get it. It's so real. So when you have a minister stand up and say, we all need to be an everyday missionary, you're like, yeah, right. You don't know what I'm going through at work. You don't know the stress I'm under. And you're absolutely right. I don't. But I know in Jesus Christ, you're free. I want every one of you to know you are free. And you can get out of this rut. And none of us like being stuck in a rut. Isn't that true? Can't we all identify with what that feels like? Um, I was a youth minister before this, and we went on this canoe trip years ago, and it had rained all night, so we had to park in this lower parking lot, and uh, uh, his wife was here this morning, he has passed away, his name is Ron Livesay, 
used to drive a bus for everything. He said, hey, John, can you just go down and pick up the bus? <laughs> he had this big brown bus. Tim, you remember that bus? And I had to go pick up the big, and he said, just bring it to me, and then we'll load everything. I said, oh, no problem. And Ron knows me real well. He said, hey, um, a lot of rain, so don't gun it. Just take your time, rock it slow, and then bring it on. No, hey, Ron, no problem. And I buried that. I mean, this thing, I mean, this is buried. And to the point, I'm like, I'm, I'm get, Ron Lipsa does not have to come down here. I'm getting this bus out of here. And I remember just full throttle hitting the, and that thing jumps up and runs over this trash can, and it looked like a Frisbee. I mean, they, and they take a picture of me, and they're like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, let's get out of here. Okay, I didn't say I was a legal youth minister. I just said, we've been there. Everybody here has had a situation in your life that you'd say, I'm stuck. Well, emotionally, when you're stuck like that, what's the feeling that comes over you? Because that's the exact same feeling you have spiritually. Man, when you're stuck you are literally paralyzed. Like, I can't do anything. And so how do you get unstuck? How do you have a missional mindset? Well, the answer is tucked away right here in the book of Acts, Acts 2.42. It just seems too basic. But what worked then, I guarantee, will work today. Remember in Acts 2.42, it tells us what the early church was devoted to. Remember what it was? to the apostles' teaching. Now, what is that? It's the message of Jesus, and it's the methods of Jesus. In other words, here's what Jesus said, here's what Jesus did. And they did it. Do you think that that would change the world today? Absolutely. They were devoted to fellowship, not just getting together and having a meal, but koinonia means they developed this community where they shared life including properties and possessions for anyone who had need it's how they began to get unstuck and they realized in community you never get unstuck alone you need others they broke bread and when they would break bread no matter what the background that's what they had in common And don't we live in a time right now that we need to find more things that we have in common with one another? And they prayed. Man, did they pray. Prayer was a first priority. It was not a last resort. And how many times do we do that with God? God, I desperately need you to help me. A mission mindset is you wake up every day and go, I don't want to always think about myself. I want to think about others. So I want to start First of all, look at a big picture, Sherwood Oaks and missions. And then I'm going to show you some practical ways locally that you can get involved. <clears throat> We're going to pull up a slide here. And this is a, just gives you an indication where the missions money goes at Sherwood Oaks. In a normal year, the last annual year, about $498,000 given to missions. That's 11.5% of the overall budget. So we over tithe. But here's what you need to understand. We're talking 62% of that is global missions. And the reason I share that is over the years, whenever I've talked to others about missions, invariably somebody will say, why are we sending all this money to these folks halfway across the world when, finish the sentence, we got folks that need the money right here. Well, Sherwood Oaks doesn't have a philosophy is if you live close, we don't like you. No. They have an entirely different benevolence fund. They, they'll find all kinds of ways. The Axe Fund that came in, the, the Dollar 
uh, fund that we're starting, the Dollar Club, all these things, we're going to do whatever it takes to reach the folks in our church to help. We're going to do whatever we can to help the people in our community. But I love the fact that we are doing what we can globally, that that 62% for international mission is a big deal. Folks, we're not talking hundreds of people through our international missionaries have brought people to Christ. We're talking thousands of people. You just saw at the beginning of this service what your money does to help people who are starving to death. Folks, all of us can have the mindset of a missionary. But what about locally? Every one of you uh, can look over on your seat and you can pick up one of these inserts. And what I love about this, Nate put this together. And this will allow all of you to see what can I do in the next six weeks or so. During this holiday season, uh, believe it or not, Christmas is here. Would you agree? I heard my first Christmas carol coming in, and I've heard so many people say, um, I'm putting all my Christmas stuff up now because I need Christmas now. You're not saying it very joyfully, but you, <laughs> we need it. Would you all agree? It's, if there's ever a year we need Christmas, it's now. And what an opportunity that we have in our community to just be the hands and the feet of Christ. And that's how you begin to have the mindset of an everyday missionary. But I want to just close with the heartbeat of an everyday missionary. What does that look like? Here's what I love about Acts chapter 20. It is one of the most gut-wrenching scriptures in the entire Bible. Uh, To me, it allows us to pull the curtain back and look at the heart of Paul and to see how when he would go to these communities, he didn't just show up. This wasn't like a missions trip where he showed up for a few days and he was out of there. No, this was, he would live sometimes months and years with folks and he would get so close to them, but he always knew. But when the spirit leads, I got to go. This is one of those times he's meeting with the leaders from Ephesus And you get down to Acts chapter 20. Just look at these three verses, 22 through 24. Paul said this, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to Finish the race. Complete the task that the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Did you catch that? Everywhere I go, I want people to hear about the good news, and I want to hear about God's grace. Verse 22, the Greek is that word compelled. That means I am bound by the Holy Spirit. I have no choice. I'm driven by the Spirit, and I will finish the race. That's the heartbeat of a missionary. Listen to the very same words in the message translation. But there is another urgency before me now. I feel compelled to go to Jerusalem. I am completely in the dark about what will happen when I get there. I don't know, and it won't be a picnic, for the Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment ahead, But what matters, that matters little. What matters most to me is to finish what God has started. The job of the master Jesus gave me of letting 
everyone I meet know all about this incredibly extravagant generosity of God. My prayers, all of us would have the mindset of a missionary. All of us would have the heartbeat of a missionary. One of the things that I love, and, and I want you to know that, that it is a privilege um, to be able to preach here on Sunday mornings. And the fact that you're here, uh, trust me when I say I do not take that lightly. And one of the things that God has done uh, when you're preparing for a message is God will bring stories into your life and open doors that you know that God opens these doors and only God can. And as I was wrestling with this message, uh, this story actually came out of nowhere. I had never heard it before, and uh, I can't stop thinking about it. So I wanted to share it with you, and it's the story of uh, Karen Watson. Uh, Karen Watson was at a Baptist church that had gone on a lot of mission trips, and uh, on one particular mission trip, she came back, and the God's Spirit started to work on her heart, <clears throat> and she realized that something had to change in her life. And the way she put it is she wanted to do more. And so she sent in to this missions organization uh, a request, and they checked out everything. And she was actually uh, a part of the police department here in their community. Uh, she had a very unique skill set. And uh, she took those skills and uh, said, what I really want to do is to go to the most dangerous place on earth. So this was 2003. You want to guess where she went? Iraq. And so they looked at everything that her skill set described, and they had her be in charge of security detail and then provide protection for the women in Iraq who were refugees who had been beaten and uh, were just for their lives needed somebody to intercede, and she was that person. When she went to the airport to fly out, it was early March, and her best friend in an interview said, uh, when I gave her this hug and I held on to her so close and went back home, I told my husband, I don't think I'm ever going to see her again. And she was right. About three weeks later, on March 15th, <clears throat> a phone call went to the senior minister there. His name was Phil Neighbors, and they said that Karen and three other missionaries uh, in their vehicle where it was ambushed and they were all killed. And of course he couldn't go back to sleep. And he shared with his wife, he says, you know, she wrote me a letter. Do you know where that letter is? She goes, I know exactly where it's at. And she actually wrote the letter to Phil Neighbors and to Roger R. Sparkton, uh, who were the pastors who invested in her the most. And I just want to read you just a small portion of this letter. Dear Pastor Phil and Pastor Roger, you should only be opening this letter in the event of death. When God calls, there's no regrets. I tried to share my heart with you as much as possible, my heart for the nations. I wasn't called to a place. I was called to him. To obey was my objective. To suffer is what I expected. His glory was my reward. Oh, his glory is my reward. 
one of the most important things to remember right now is to preserve the work. I'm writing this as if I'm still working among that people group. So keep sending missionaries. Keep raising up young pastors. I wake up every day wanting to have a missionary's heart, to care more than I think is wise, to risk more than some think is safe, to dream more than some think is practical, expect more than some think is possible. I was called not to comfort or success, but to obedience. There is no joy outside of knowing Jesus and serving him. I love you both for your pastor's work, and I love my church family. That's the heart of a missionary. And that's our heart. What if we woke up every day and just said, Lord, this is my mission field. It's where I work. It's in my neighborhood. It's my family. This is my mission field. And then once you start doing that day after day, let me tell you what's going to happen. You better buckle up. Because then God's Spirit's going to work on you. And all of a sudden, he's going to start working you over. And he's going to say, hey, you might want to go to this person. Or you might want to go to this group of people. You just might want to go somewhere away from the borders of the United States. That's how God works. He may be working on some of you right now. Some of you that are just stuck right now, he wants you to be free. It all starts with the mindset of an everyday missionary and the heartbeat of an everyday missionary. Let me just pray over you right now. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we love you. We want to have your thoughts, your actions, your mind, your heart every day. Every day. And Lord, sometimes the pain is intense because all of us have friends that have been in mission work. And there just comes that moment when you are saying maybe goodbye for the last time and it just breaks our heart. But we know it's not really goodbye because you're with us and eternity waits for those who have given their life to Christ. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.